God, as we always do, we want to thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you that it's come to us. Thank you that it is alive by your Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, that wherever we are, here, across the screen, in our homes, in our bedrooms, wherever we are, that we'll be able to engage with what you're trying to teach us. I pray that what I say is to your glory and to the building of this community of believers. Uh, Please bring this passage to life and for us to see what it looks like to live it out in ours. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to have any of you heard of participatory art or like participatory kind of culture. Now, I have no idea how many that is, uh, but if you, if you do, that's good for you. I'm just assuming there's going to be one because at least Beth Zabak's new. Uh, but it's the kind of artwork or thing where somebody starts something off gives it like a direction or what it's about, and then the public comes and uh, contributes to it. So there's going to be a couple of things that come up on the screen to kind of illustrate it for you. Uh, the first one, now this is not quite of art, but like a, a cultural thing, is the, the Love Lock Bridges. Now this one, I think, is, it's over in Europe somewhere, but they're, they're all over the place. But yeah, the idea is that two people come, they, they lock this lock to the bridge, uh, write their names on it, throw their keys into the river to kind of demonstrate that their, their love is unbreakable. Uh, there's some other ones like uh, this one, which is the, the chewing gum wall. Now, I know a number of you are kind of squirming in your seat as you even think about that. Uh, pretty uncovered safe, but someone starts it and other people think it's a good idea to contribute along. Now, there's this one as well, which is a bit more wholesome, but it's, a, it's bras on a fence, which is for breast cancer. It's over in New Zealand, uh, and these people were raising awareness for breast cancer. And there's these other two which are about art. Now, this one, you can really get the idea as you look at it. Um, people writing about what they'd like to do uh, before they die. And then this final one, which is called In Your Face. And you can kind of make it out there, but there's lots of different portraits of people's faces. And the idea behind that one was to express the diversity of people uh, living in this city in Canada and to kind of promote greater social inclusion. See, the idea of these kind of things is that, that somebody has started off this artwork or this project given it a purpose, given it a direction, and then started it off with an example. But the artwork in itself is unfinished. People then come from the public and then contribute to it uh, and continue it along. Now, they continue it in their own way, in their own kind of expression, uh, but they buy into the vision of whatever it is uh, and they contribute to its purposes and its direction. Now, in many ways, or in some ways at least, uh, this is similar to what's been going on in Acts. God has set the purpose, he's set the direction. In fact, Acts has been telling a story about how God has been beginning to redeem the world through the person of Christ, through his his death, his resurrection, uh, the breaking in of the kingdom of God. And the disciples who are empowered by the Holy Spirit and then going and then witnessing to Jesus. Uh, They're witnessing to him throughout Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria. They're going to the ends of the earth. And then along the way, they're compelling others to follow Jesus too and then continue on that mission. Now, in this series that we've been doing together, we've particularly been focusing on on the back half, or the back third, really, of Acts, uh, where we've been looking mostly at Paul and how he's been a witness to Christ. And we've seen him 
um, well, at the beginning it was Ephesus and riots, and then he was saying goodbye to the Ephesian leaders. Uh, and then he goes to Jerusalem, and he gets arrested, and he goes to trial after trial after trial. Uh, and then he's sent over to Rome uh, via the sea. And it was last week where there was the shipwrecks and the storms and the snake bites. And pretty much the plot in Acts has been leading to this point. Leading to this point of reaching up into Rome. And that's what we're exploring tonight. As Taylor said, I hope you do have your Bibles uh, with you uh, and brought them to the, the service today. If not, they're not too far away, I imagine. But we are going to step through uh, from, we'll briefly cover verses 1 to 16 and then trek through what Paul does in Rome. But if you do cast your eye over the, ver- the first couple of verses, uh, it kind of picks up the story of the, of the, the sea travel. Uh, basically, they start in Malta and they make their journey up uh, into Italy. Kind of the tension builds as they get closer and closer to Rome. The brothers and sisters come and uh, get out and uh, meet Paul, encourage him. Paul's uh, encouraged as he goes along. And then the other key thing is we learn a little bit about Paul's living arrangements. Uh, what his kind of situation is like uh, for him there in Rome. Now, he's still a prisoner. If you have a look at verse 16, we read that he's allowed to live by himself uh, and he has a guard, uh, a soldier to guard him. Like just one, just one guard to look after him. Like he's had battalions and regiments looking after him, but now he's in Rome, it's just one. And he seems as though uh, he's renting in the house. If Like at the very back in verse 30, it said he was staying in his own rented house there. He's welcoming people, so he's allowed to have guests, uh, this kind of thing. It seems like the kind of most relaxed uh, house arrest ever, but nonetheless, uh, he's still a prisoner. But in the context of the narrative, he's reached Rome. As we were saying last week, God's purposes always prevail, uh, and his promises too, and Paul is there in Rome. And as we read down and as we get through verse uh, 17, now Paul has been to heaps of cities uh, throughout his journey in Acts that we've seen. And obviously Rome is a different city, but we read he has the same kind of approach. With every city that Paul has gone to, his usual strategy uh, that he's gone about that is working for that day is he starts with the Jews and then he goes uh, to the Gentiles. And that's the same thing here. Uh, When you have a look at verses uh, 17 through to 20, uh, as Taylor had read it for us before, it's actually a really good summary of what happened to Paul in the final, like, last couple of chapters as he entered Jerusalem uh, and then went into uh, Rome. And Paul is basically saying, like, I I don't want you Jews to judge me yet. Don't judge me. If you've heard something, uh, hear me out first. And he's like, I'm, I'm innocent. I don't have anything against the Jews. I didn't do anything against the temple or against the people. Um, the Romans thought I was, I was innocent. Uh, I'm here uh, to, to just declare, declare my innocence. I'm not against uh, you. And he's saying in that final verse, uh, verse 20, that the, the hope, he's on trial because of the hope of Israel. He's saying the promises and the Messiah, that Jews that you have been waiting for, the one that you've been praying about your whole life, the one that your parents have spoken about that you are telling your children, he's here. I'm here to tell you about him. 
It's Jesus. He is the one who's fulfilling all these promises. And in verse 21 to 22, we get the Jewish uh, response. And they're, they're like, Paul, I, I don't really know what the issue is here, why you feel like you've got to defend yourself. We haven't heard anything uh, from our brothers down in uh, Jerusalem. We're not here to petition against Caesar, uh, petition against you to Caesar. Um, but what we do want to say, Paul, is like we've been hearing a lot about this Jesus God. We've been hearing a lot about this Christian sect, uh, and we want to hear about it ourselves. It kind of sounds a bit similar to what Agrippa was saying uh, to Festus and Paul a couple weeks back. It's like these Jews, they're, they're curious. They've heard about the Christian message. They may have seen it in some way being lived out, and they're willing to hear it. So the leaders, they go get all their, their buddies. They put it out on whatever their ancient day Twitter account was, and they made a Facebook event. They get all their buddies along uh, to listen to Paul. They're kind of really inquisitive about this news about Jesus. Now, I've been reading a book by Sam Chan, uh, which basically is about what it looks like to share Jesus in our post-Christian world uh, in this moment. It was only written, I think, last year, really recently. And one thing he says in there which kind of caught my attention was, when we tell the story of Christianity, it's like we tell it in a way that people want it to be true. It is true, but like you tell it in a way that people, wow, that's intriguing. And it seems like that's what's going on here for these Jews. They're like, wow, that is something that I almost want to believe in, but let me hear it out. And so we're expecting Paul to give this big speech. Uh, we're expecting Luke to detail it all for us. But we've actually had heaps of these examples all throughout Acts. So Luke doesn't actually give a direct account of the speech at all. He gives us just a summary. He kind of gives the big idea of what Paul says. Because Paul's message uh, is essentially the same it's the different city but it's the same core message uh, if i just read for you verse 23 here he says he witnessed to them from morning till evening explaining about the kingdom of god and from the law of moses and the prophets he tried to persuade them about jesus it's a different city but it's the same message and I think that there's two really helpful things to look out and just touch on from this kind of summary sermon of Paul. The first thing is the way that Paul went about it. You see on your screen there those three words that are highlighted, which is that he witnesses to them, like in the sense that he gives testimony to, he testifies to the work of Jesus. Then he explains it. He's trying to say, like, uh, like, how can I make plain sense of it to you? How can I answer your questions? How can we engage in a discussion so that it does make sense to you? He explains it. And he tries to persuade them. Like, give logical reason and use experience and what they know of the Scriptures to demonstrate that this thing about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus is true. And what I think is really cool about that is there is no big tricks there's no manipulation. There's no kind of extra crazy super spiritual dance or thing that he's doing. He is just doing something that we can simply do. Like plainly and clearly just demonstrating and giving a reason for the hope that we have. The hope that we have in the Lord Jesus and putting in a way which is uh, meaningful to others. The second thing to highlight uh, from this little section is the content of Paul's message. Basically, Luke is saying, when Paul preaches, 
This is what he preaches about. Uh, and he did it again here. It's like if you were to explain what David Attenborough speaks about. You would say he talks about nature and he talks about the effect of climate change and seeking to, to put us in a direction against it, right? to stop it. That's what David Attenborough is about. For Paul, uh, he summarizes what the Christian gospel is about. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the lordship of Jesus and it's been foretold in the scriptures. All the things that we have in the Old Testament. It's actually the same thing that Luke pointed out in Acts chapter 1. And it was been the same message that has happened throughout all the evangelistic speeches. And they always give that added detail of the resurrection. And I think this is a wonderful kind of blueprint for us too. Because what we're doing is we are alerting people to the rule and reign of God through Christ. And what that means for our life uh, here and now. What it looks like to live out the ethics and the values of the kingdom of God in our lives. What that looks like from the pulpit. What it looks like in the park, from our homes, in our offices, in our houses, in hospitals, wherever it may be. At unis, at our work. Like this is the core message of the Christian faith. Now, yeah, we get to package it in different and creative ways, which is going to be meaningful for people. Uh, but this is what the core message is. The kingdom of God and the risen Jesus. It's a different city, but it's the same message packaged in a meaningful way. But then we get the Jewish response. And in the same way, it's a, it's a different city, but it gets the same results. It doesn't seem to matter if it's Jerusalem, if it's Ephesus, if it's Philippi, if it's Rome. Some of the Jews, or some of the people, in this case of the Jews, accept and submit to the Lord Jesus, and some people reject. It's the same. When you have a look at verse 24, that's what you exactly read. Some people are convinced, uh, and others uh, would not believe. And at that point, people start to kind of walk away. As Paul kind of does, he's like, mic drop moment of quoting Isaiah 6. Uh, and it's on your screen there, but it's the famous quote that is throughout every single gospel. Luke mentioned it in his gospel too. Basically about explaining why the Jews are often rejecting God. Saying that they are spiritually blind. They're unwilling to see. And that's why their, their eyes do not see. Their ears do not hear and their minds do not understand. And therefore, they're not turning to God. They keep their distance from Him. And that and explains why God won't heal them. When the message is proclaimed, but you don't want to hear it. Rejecting of the message. And Paul is using this quote to say that if those who refuse to have faith in Jesus, and in particular in this case, the Jews who are refusing to accept Jesus as the promised Messiah, then that is their choice. And a choice that will result in God's judgment. But Paul still desperately desires for them to know Christ. Desperately. We don't read it here, but you read in the letters that he's then subsequently written to the churches that his heart breaks, his heart wrenches for, the, for people. And you read about in Romans 9 to 10, which is the people that he's writing to, that his heart breaks for the Jews that don't come uh, to follow Jesus. And his heart can break, his heart can wrench because he still has hope. Because he knows the door is never closed to people. It's never closed if they've rejected Jesus at one point or they keep rejecting him 77 times. 
Because like the story of the prodigal son, like that son who takes all the blessing from the father and then runs away, we know that our God, like that father, waits, willing, desiring his children to come home to him, waiting and willing to forgive and shower, lavish them with grace, and then even and celebrate when they come home. Because that is the incredible grace and the incredible love of the God that we serve. But even though there's rejection in that moment, the gospel still continues to go out. To every tribe, to every language, to every nation, to every people group. And that's why Paul ends, and this is the final quoted thing of Paul here, in verse 28. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. The Gentiles being just every person. You, me, all the way here on the other side of Australia, our, our neighbours, the ones that we like, the ones that we don't like, our First Nations peoples in Australia, people over in Indonesia and Asia and out into Europe and Africa, South America, North America, everywhere, all people are invited into the kingdom of God. All people are invited to hear about the hope and the love and, and the beauty of the Lord Jesus and what it means to have faith in him. And so the gospel continues to go out. And that is the pattern of Acts. That is the pattern of what it's looked like. Rome is a different city, yet it yields the same results. Acceptance and rejection, the message going to the Jews and going to the Gentiles. This has been the story in Acts. and I think that's a story in our lives too. Because some people, when they hear about Jesus, they will accept him. And they'll find the life and the hope and the beauty that's found in relationship with God. And others will reject. That's our experience in our life too. Now I've said it like plenty of times in different ways in this series. That we need to keep desiring, praying and, and sharing the gospel in meaningful ways. And it will receive opposition. At times, you remember back to the first uh, talk in this series like sometimes it's repentance or it's riot you know it's intense kind of stuff and it can be heartbreaking and it's depressing when people when our friends our family like our dear loved ones decide that they want none of jesus but don't let rejection from others stop you be heartbroken but not disheartened it's like be heartbroken but not disheartened because like Darcy said in that little video, that it might take 10 minutes, 10 weeks, 10 years, whatever it may be, but we pray and we continue to share the, the hope of Jesus in hope that they will come to know Jesus for themselves. We continue to make the most of the opportunities or, or create the opportunities ourselves where we can do that. And then that brings us to the final two verses in Acts. And these final two verses, which are kind of like to close out, you know, to, to complete the book. The words that are kind of to resonate in our ears as, as we close Acts. And it says this from verse 30. Just gives a bit of a summary statement of the next two years. Because for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul the prisoner does not stop. The gospel continues to go out. The messenger is in chains, 
but the message is unhindered. And as we were saying last week, that is just, again, the message of Acts. In many ways, this final section is just summarizing for us all that has gone on before. Because the gospel and its messengers continue to come up against consistent and countless obstacles, unwanted and unpleasant, human, natural, supernatural things which are preventing the gospel. But they don't actually stop the work of God going forward. They don't stop uh, the gospel. Like that continuous flow of water, like a stream of water going left and right down a hill. It may even have to bank up at a point, but eventually it just overflows. That is like the purposes of God through the, the message of the gospel. It just continues to overflow. Paul is imprisoned here, but the gospel is unstoppable. And I think what I find really striking about these verses is the more you think about Paul is in prison. Like, yeah, he's in a bit of like freedom, but he's in prison here. He doesn't have freedom. He's hindered. Like, you wonder how on earth can the gospel keep going on when he's compromised in so many ways. His freedom is taken away in the sense that, that, that a guard is with him. And I know it's really hard to imagine what this would be like, but his freedom is taken away because he's got to stay at home. And, and he, he has to work from home. And, you know, a bit of conjecture, but he might go on his daily walk. Who knows? But you get what I mean. Like he, he, he's hindered. Um, but somehow the gospel is continuing to go out. Somehow Paul and his buddies in Rome are figuring out what it looks like to continue to partner with God in spreading this unstoppable gospel. And I think what this says to us, amongst the inspiration, obviously, to keep going, is that we have a license and I think even a need to be creative. To be creative in the way that we share the gospel. Like we don't need much imagination in this moment, even prior to covid uh, to know that we need to have impact for our, on our neighbours. Because the, the rate of, of Christianity as a percentage in our city is going down over the years. The amount of people that are, are actively part of the church uh, is declining. And as the culture becomes more postmodern, it seems that people are becoming uh, either more hostile or just more apathetic towards Jesus. And then obviously you get this moment, right? Lockdown being in our homes, working from home, all these things. We don't need any more inspiration than that to know that we need to be creative in how we, we share the gospel, prayerfully so. Uh, we continue to need to work through things that are going to need to stay the same, but also things that have got to be different. There's going to be both things. So please, let me encourage you to be creative. Like Pray, think, dream, imagine, chat with one another. Consider what it looks like for us as a church, for you as an individual, to, to continue to be part of the cause of the gospel, to continue to win people to Christ, to continue to live out the ethics and the values of the kingdom of God. Like you want to be part of something new. You want to think about how we can do what we currently do better. Like Continue to be creative, to dream and think. It's not just about, about me or Andrew or the leaders. Like, this is our church. This is what we are, are doing. Like, I've been doing lots of talking about relational kind of evangelism. Like, how would you like to be equipped better? Well, the fact that we have almost you know, 200 plus people that call this service home. Like, 200 odd people. How is it we corporately can be impacting our community 
for the cause of Christ. That's all to say that in this moment, like in the history of the church, we need to continue to be creative to reach our city. That's been the story of the Christian faith. It is the same gospel. As I was saying before about the way that Paul was preaching, it is the same gospel. But this is a different city and it has different people. Now we know that God can use any moment. We've seen it throughout Acts and he can especially, or we know, use this moment in the era of COVID. Because we've seen it throughout the story of Acts and in this situation in prison in Paul. Because he continues to share the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's the end of the book of Acts. Book closed, case finished, uh, it seems. Now, I, I don't really know about you, but it seems like a bit of a strange end uh, to the story. Like, I mean, we've been trekking through this uh, together, and we were expecting, like, Paul to appear before Caesar, right? We're expecting Ro Nero to come on the scene. Or, like, we want to know what is going to happen to Paul. Like, how is the gospel going to go to the ends of the earth? Like, this is Rome. This is certainly not the ends of the earth. But th this end, like, it leaves far more questions unanswered than it does answered. It it's creating more questions uh, for me and uh, maybe for you. For plenty of scholars, it seemed to create plenty of questions. Um, there's heaps of different explanations and, uh, and theories about why Luke chose to end the story here. Um, like a couple things, some people say maybe Luke planned a third volume. That will be kind of cool. Um, maybe he didn't. We know Paul was martyred in Rome a fair bit later, but maybe Luke didn't want to mention that is some suggestion. Uh, maybe Luke just left the scene at that point uh, and didn't continue the story. There's a whole bunch of different reasons. Uh, and in some reason, some ways, that, that kind of questioning is a little bit neither here nor there uh, because this is what we have. This is what God has chosen to give us. But I think there's actually quite a really compelling reason, an inviting reason, in fact, as to why Luke, why the Holy Spirit inspired Luke, rather, uh, to finish the book like this. Because I think the key thing is that the location is Rome. See, Rome is not the ends of the earth. That mission that, that Jesus sent the disciples on to reach the ends of the earth hasn't happened here. In fact, in the eyes of the Gentile reader, Rome is far from the ends of the earth. It is the center of the earth. Much like for the Jews, Jerusalem is the center of the earth. So the gospel in both Jewish and Gentile eyes is at the center of the earth at this point. Now, there's a bit of a saying that you're probably aware of, uh, that's even around today, that all roads lead to Rome. You flip that saying, you can get to anywhere from Rome, is the idea. The gospel at this point is at the center to then continue to go out to the ends of the earth from here. The story of Acts is unfinished in its very nature. Luke's focus is not to give a bibliography of Paul's life. Otherwise, he would have probably completed it. That's not his purpose at all. His purpose is to give an account of the works of the risen Christ through the Holy Spirit in, an, in the unstoppable spreading of the gospel. That's what Luke is about showing, the sovereignty of God in seeing the witness to Christ happen. Because friends, there is no Acts 29 but the story remains unintentionally 
are intentionally unfinished. Why? Because we are continuing it. You and I, our brothers and sisters across the world, because we have witnessed the work of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. We've heard about the gospel of Jesus. And we've seen how God is continuing to ensure the gospel is ultimately unstoppable. And we get to this point of it being unfinished. And as followers of Jesus, we are just invited now into this story to then continue to then continue the story. We are the ones who, like Paul, go on to proclaim the kingdom of God, to teach about the Lord Jesus Christ, to live out the ethics of the kingdom of God, to be people who make disciples of all nations, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Our story becomes intertwined with God's story and the story of the church. Because Acts 29 all the way through to Acts 2021 is continuing to be written. It's been, con- been written for the last 2,000 years. As the church, our, our brothers and sisters before us have continued to, to spread and implant the gospel. Friends, the, the baton is with us. The baton is with all our brothers and sisters around the world, not just this church, everybody, all the Christians. Is the same Holy Spirit here? Is the same Lord Jesus who is risen and ruling from his throne? It is the same sovereign God we read about in Acts is still sovereign today and will be so tomorrow. Now the gospel and the purpose of God, of course, they do not rise and fall on our shoulders. But God in his mission invites us to be part of his mission. He invites us to be faithful followers of Jesus, to be directed and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to take this gospel forward. Like those participatory artworks and, and things that I was sharing at the beginning. The vision, the purpose, the direction, the mission of God has been set for us. To be witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. We now continue our part in being witnesses to him. We're going to contribute in our own way, in our own expression, with our own gifts, and our, our own kind of passions and excitements. Um, all ways that we can contribute. But this is our invitation to continue the story of Acts, to continue to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to continue to partner with God in his mission to save this world for his glory and for our good. I certainly need enormous amounts of prayer and encouragement to do that. And I know we all do. So as we close this series and we think about what it means to continue to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, let me pray. Sovereign God, the God who desperately and amazingly loves us. You love your people. uh, You love this world, even though we've rejected you. And you sent us, well, you sent Jesus first to this world uh, to bring about reconciliation with you, to redeem this world to pay for our sins, to invite us into your kingdom, to make it a way. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Jesus, you came to this earth. We pray that you give us boldness and, and confidence, conviction, use our weaknesses to bring you glory as we take the gospel uh, to our friends and our family. Uh, if you send us far away overseas, whatever it may be, please go with us by your Holy Spirit. We long to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen.